Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hey, welcome back to Money in the Air, the neighboring rights podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. We have a really special guest with us this week, the hardest working man in music, Chris Sheehan. Tell me how you want the world to know you. Well, I mean, at this exact minute in time, I'm a dad because I'm holding a one-week-old baby. In general, I've always been a songwriter. I've always been a, a, I was an artist for 20-odd years and ran a recording studio and, and was a performer. And then really through wanting to see things change on that front, that's how I got into Carousel, which originally was just meant to be a, a loose collective of friends putting on shows where the artists got to keep all the money just to just to try and destroy that pay-to-play model that was really prevalent in London and, and prove to people that you could do a really artist-friendly show and the artist make some money and the room be full of good people and good industry. So that's what Carousel was meant to be. But then we just kept uncovering causes we wanted to fight for and, and ended up accidentally starting a small publishing roster, which Naomi and her previous guys was incredibly helpful with and, and then started putting on industry networking events, etc. So that's Carousel, sort of management label publishing, of which I do a little bit of everything. My sort of real passion in life is working for Help Musicians, which is a hundred year old music charity that uh, is there for artists throughout all stages of their career, from um, early stage funding to uh, mid-career support, whether that's funding, whether that's helping a crisis, mental health support, and all the way through to the way through to help in retirement. That might be everything from home visits to retired musicians who are just a bit isolated and lonely, you know, paying some bills if they can't afford it, or paying medical bills, or a lifetime of support when you need most. Is charity sums it up. So I'm their industry liaison, and I sort of inform them on trends in the industry, uh, on where the help is needed, what the industry's saying about the help, where they'd like to see it go, and then um, just bring people to the charity to try and encourage the industry to support them because it's always seemed crazy to me that, that there was this charity there for musicians in crisis and yet the industry wasn't doing anything to support them whatsoever so I think that's really changed in the last three or four years especially in the pandemic where they've got 18 million out to over 19,000 musicians who were in dire need in the in the first lockdown and beyond so it's like the world's now aware of them and now it's just a case of how we can really cement the support so that they can keep helping all these musicians going forward so that's the um the rough overview of what i do feeding into that is my role with you guys with with us guys as i should say with ifr because again it's it's another thing which i think is we've we've always been about trying to trying to make sure that musicians songwriters performers whatever we do in carousel or help musicians try and make sure everyone's collecting what they've actually already earned and it seems so crazy that we're all scrabbling for funding we're all uh, trying to sell merch we're looking for the next way we can possibly make some money it's like well hold on let's make sure you're collecting everything you've earned for it and i think a lot of the retired musicians that the charity helps don't know maybe that they're due an awful lot of money and that actually just because they registered the they were registered on a song by filling in a form in 1974 doesn't necessarily mean they're still attached to that registration now and there's a lot of people who think their income's just tailed off and as you guys know very well it's 
there's just steps that you need to take to ensure you're still attached to, to the registration. So lots of stuff. When did it occur to you that neighboring rights were an important royalty stream, especially for the legacy artists? Been a sort of gradual drip drip. I mean, through working with Naomi and Tanya when they were at Wix and Tanya, who's also been, I mean, was a, just a superstar for, for Carousel, for our artists on the publishing. And when she was there, I think through through talking to them about uh, what other income streams were available, but also the thing with being a, a songwriter and a musician and having studios is that you have friends of all ages. You know, you might make a record where the bass player's in their 60s and the drummer's in their 20s and... You know, it, there's, there's no age among musicians. We the, the youngsters love hearing the stories of who they've worked with with the older music. The more experienced musicians love the the power of youth and love hearing new new takes on things. You know, so I think through the studio and just seeing how many really tremendous players, like people who played on mega records, were struggling for for session work and struggling for income. And I was thinking, man, you've played on some multi-platinum hits how are you not really really secure and it just really blew my mind starting to talk to people one friend who was a session singer on just about every pop song of the 90s that you could think of in, in early 2000s talking to those guys uh, to talking to him about about work with with all these acts and and him going yeah maybe i should well i think i filled some forms in back in the day and i'm saying yeah but you know you really want to make sure someone's either someone's collecting it or you're policing it and you're you're checking your still on those registrations, you know? And so I think through the studio, I met quite a few people that it amazed me they were struggling. And then just talking to the, the health and welfare team at Help Musicians and seeing how many people they were helping who had really played significant roles in the history of music, playing on mega recordings, whether that's in playing strings on for acts like the Beatles or whether that's uh, the bass player for a certain band or the drummer for a certain mega artist, you know, it's, it's your pension. It's just mad to me that we're not all doing everything we can to get the money that is actually owed to us, that we've earned. Maybe it's evolved slightly in the last five, six years now that the big boys are, are sort of interested in it, the, the majors. Maybe people now are beginning to see neighbouring rights agents in the same way you see a publisher to go out and police it and find you that money. But as, as we've always said with IFR, yes, an agent's a great idea, but it's not the only way. And let's talk about what you should be doing if you want to do it for yourself. You can still do it for yourself. And let's try and give yeah. people the, the education and the tools. Have you had any artists come back to you and say, thank you for that advice. I'm getting my money and it makes a difference. Absolutely. I mean, there was one friend who, because there was so much in the pipeline so much stuck backlog in his first neighboring rights period after the guys had got on it his income went up 900 percent, and that's not oh an exaggeration God. i mean it didn't obviously stay there because you're unlocking a lot of historical income but that was the difference of paying a, a huge tax bill that year um there's a chap uh, another chap we were working with who i was at the ivers the other week and chatting to him afterwards and he said, you know, when you told me how much you would go up, I really didn't, you know, I thought, well, I'll give it a go, you know. He's like, and you were absolutely right. And it's it's just a great feeling to see people get paid what they're going to get paid, you know, especially in a world where there's no money to come to you from, from PPL if, you're, if your stems are used live. This is a massive bugbear for me. I, I think this is one of my most burning issues. There's musicians who are top of the game that are adding something to those tracks in the studio that absolutely make the track then the artist will go on tour and to save money because everyone's having to save money they'll take stems out of that exact performance and it gets broadcast in a in a licensed venue that ppl have licensed and there's no payment to that 
performer for the use of their work. That to me is extraordinary. In the same way, the performers get zero from a stream at the moment if they're not a featured performer. If you're a non-featured performer, you don't get a neighbouring right royalty as a stream. Is that right? No one gets paid, but recently Spain do pay for featured and non-featured in yeah. Hungary, but that's a grey area because I believe it's just on the rights holder side. So just two countries right now. So if we're in the UK, then, you know, at this minute in time, there's there's no royalty for that. So that that seems crazy to me. But in the in the meantime, let's at least get collected what definitely is there. And, and as you know, Tan, from some of the amazing work you've done in, in your various uh, roles in, in neighbouring rights, man, you've uncovered some fortunes for people. And, and what an oh, amazing We all thing. have. I mean, especially when I was with Naomi at Wixon for those years, I mean, yeah, it was it was so heartwarming when but you'd get these really cute old session guys and they would send you photos of what they'd bought with, you know, the neighbouring rights checks we'd send them. And some of them bought these cute old, you know, muscle cars. And we'd be like, yeah, good for you. It was just so, it was lovely. I, I just want to, you know, comment on what he was saying about the sends. That's something that it's, it's a bugbear and it's annoying, you know, and it's something that we do talk to PPL about. And I know it's on their to-do list, but it's not up there on their to-do list and it isn't fair to you know for them to be using the stems and because the argument you know essentially is that the stems don't have an isrc code you know therefore they can't pay out neighboring rights on the on the stems and it's something that you know i think we need to make sure continues to be on the agenda it should be incumbent on that artist to get isrc codes and ppl should be happy to provide them if you say i'm going on tour i'm using stems i want some codes for those for those tracks it shouldn't be that hard i don't think but we live in a, a tech world with tech solutions it's it has to be coming soon it has to be thanks for what, what everything you've done at help musicians because that's just amazing the way you're sort of spreading the word around about helping out these guys as you say it's their pensions and it's what's owed to them and it's it's what they should be claiming but sadly so many people just aren't aware of it so absolutely carry on what you're doing and um share this podcast with them so that hopefully a few more that aren't aware of it will learn and, and point them in the direction of IFR if they want any more information and we'll happily come along and, and chat to them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to really spell out for everyone what, what the issues, particularly for those guys uh, who maybe have retired now or, or aren't playing as, as often, what the issues are. So if you're, say you, you filled in your forms in the studio in, in 1975 on a, on a big hit, but that song has since been re-released on an anniversary edition, on a high-res version, on a compilation. If you haven't attached yourself to that next recording, if your agent, if you don't have an agent, hasn't done that for you, then to rely on the record label to do that is... You know, it's just not going to happen. A 24-year-old office junior is not going to sit there, dig out all the old forms from the 70s to make sure that you're on that. So um, I'm just going well, to hand to up. be fair, the record companies might not have that information either. It's not, I mean, I think yeah, the of course, of course. is that people think, oh, PPL is just going to put me on that track. And that's, you know, they're not going to do that either. You know what I mean? Like if there's a re-release or something, they're, the lineup don't transfer. That's the thing, you know, and... Yeah. Especially like every time you have a new ISRC code that comes out, you effectively like are getting a new lineup on things. Yeah. I'm going to make a legal point about the stems. Just because you're using only a part of a recording, it does not lose its ISRC. It doesn't evaporate. It is the same ISRC as the original recording. And they have no right to say that it doesn't have an ISRC. 
they know where they took it from. Interesting, yeah. What I mean, I'm I'm in the the hands of the experts as as always with the IFR stuff. I, I love hearing you guys go back and forth on this stuff because you guys are really in the nitty gritty of this every day and you know the ins and outs and the legals of it so I, I think it's something that has to be back on the agenda and I think the Ivers are doing a great job of pushing for songwriters at the minute someone needs to be pushing for performers and non-featured performers because every which way you turn at the minute it's the performers who are the ones who are getting chopped to whether that's live performance in, in the lockdown everyone was saying oh well, it's okay artists can just do live streams yeah but that means it might be the lead singer or the main artist in their bedroom or in their house doing a stream but they're not paying the the rest of the band to come and do that so so the musicians and the performers and the session players and uh, those guys that we all really passionate about they've been hit at every direction at the moment so it just seems extraordinary to me if, if we're going to make a massive argument which i agree with that the song is everything and is the center to to everything that's being generated by streaming no song no streaming and i, I really believe that but equally no musicians playing on that unless it's an artist just playing everything themselves which happens we have to there has to be some fair reward for the work that's used for decades and decades absolutely right and if the legislation passes in every country or if it's enacted if it's already passed in like in europe then the world will get there you know in the uk people are lobbying against it if it comes out of their pocket they don't want to see it they don't care who isn't unfairly paid they don't care that it's not equitable. It's an uphill slog for us and we have to keep fighting. So thank God we have people like you on our side. Well, it's like you guys, to be honest, it's it's amazing the, the level you're working at with the jobs you're doing to to then find the time, amazing amount of time that everyone's putting into this. As, as we say, you know, none of us are being paid for it, but that's not what we're doing it for. We're doing it because someone's got to sort this out because otherwise it's the, the voice that gets lost. It's going to be on the menu once with Parliament and with everything else, this this whole fixed streaming and broken records thing. It'll, it comes up once a generation, this chance to fix it. And after that, it will be a case of, well, we already fixed it. So I, I think, you know, someone, I'm sure the MU are doing something about it, but I, I, I don't know enough about what they are doing. Right now, there's a, a private member's bill. So it wasn't proposed by the government. It was proposed by a backbencher. And it's actually passed it. Yeah, it's passed its first round. It's going for its second hearing, second reading. And then if it passes that, it goes to the committee and then it may be amendments. And then if it comes back from the committee, then it gets reheard again. And then if it passes in the commons, it goes to the House of Lords where it starts that process over. So even if best case scenario, it goes through in the UK, it's still a lengthy amount of time before it's affected. So at first it's enacted and then it has to be affected. But in the meantime, can you give us a link to where anyone can go if they need to contact help musicians, please? Yeah, well, it, it, so there's lots of different things that the charity does that they might want to contact for. So for funding, if you're looking to record project or study a new skill, then you would want to contact the creative department, which is, I believe, creative at helpmusicians.org.uk. The charity recently removed all of the deadlines for funding. So rather than have sort of little windows where you can panic and, and rush your application in and get really stressed and stay up till three in the morning the night before. It, it's now a rolling thing. You can just apply when you're ready to apply, but bear in mind that there'll be a certain period of time to for them to process your application. So if you're looking to record in, say, February, you want to get your application in. So there's the creative department, health and welfare, I believe, is 
help at helpmusicians.org.uk. You know, the, the reason I started working for the charity, just to give some perspective, was a dear friend of mine who we work with, who's both as Carousel, but as a friend, uh, Matt Dayton. Uh, Matt had had a, a terrible run of luck and had had, had some health issues and, and the place he was living it, it was about to lose the place he was living for various reasons and the charity drove down to Wales the next day found him a place to stay paid for everything until he was physically well again and were just there for him at a time where he couldn't couldn't look after himself and at the end of that he's come out and he's made uh three four albums since that that really was the moment for me where I thought oh man there's actually a place where where musicians can get emergency funding without it. You know, the only thing I knew of was the PRS fund. So there's the the health and welfare is everything from got an illness, if you've had something happen where you can't uh, cover your rent and your bills because you're not able to perform or play. It's helped with musculoskeletal issues that have come about as part of your career in music. Then there's the 24-hour mental health um, support line called Music Minds Matter. That's a listening ear for anyone that needs it. And then... At some point, they can then signpost you to whether if you need some talking therapy or whatever it might be, then the charity can, if you're a musician and you meet the criteria, then they can maybe even fund that for you as well. So it's 0808 802 8008. And that's Music Minds Matter. If you Google Music Minds Matter, you'll find the service there. So that's, of course, the charities on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And there's always help there, whatever it is you need. And if they if they can't help and they don't, if it isn't what they cover, then they'll signpost you to who you should be going to and, and other places that you can get help. The last thing I should have said uh, is they do an awful lot of stuff now around business support for people. So that's a mixture of education from industry experts like yourselves who um, can, can give a big picture of, of the career and how to get their career going. Um, and it's, it's just, it's all kind of tailored within the package of, creative funding is to make sure that you've got access to business advice and, and industry experts which I think is particularly important for people outside of London who maybe can't get to lots of these networking events that happen in London so you try and provide some links to that for people as well something that we at IFR I know have talked about and would love to plug into actually and we're still hopeful to make that happen at some point soon that's brilliant thank you and and also to say if you're not down in your luck and if you're feeling mentally healthy then please give to help musicians be part of the support system. One day you might need the support yourself. And there's a there's a fantastic uh, volunteers network that they've got where people do things from like some of the home visits to, to isolated or elderly musicians and, you know, people going out doing all kinds of fundraising activities, climbing mountains and playing playing string quartets on the top of Snowden or whatever it might be. You know, there's, there's some amazing people out there who just love music. It, it's it's the most obvious thing in the world to me. If you love music, raise for musicians. Everyone knows how hard it is to be a musician. It's always been a hard life and it's harder than ever now. So, you know, the whole industry should be supporting them. And that's, I, I hope I'll be there for the rest of my career alongside all the other things that, that come with what I'm doing. I, I, I always want to work for them. I think it's a wonderful place. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for joining us, Chris. It has been a yeah, pleasure having great. you. It, not only are you a magnificent human being, you're fascinating yeah. to listen to. I forgot <laughs> that I was supposed to talk and ask you questions. Message us at IFR, info at ifr.co.uk. Better still, if you want to become a member of IFR, go to that website and hit the join now button. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Gina. Tanya, Naomi, Andrew, and of course, our special guest, Chris Sheehan. 
Good night.